This is EdTech Weekly. I am your host, Ricky Zager, and joining me once again, Christy Warren. Christy, welcome back to the show. Woohoo, happy to be here. This is a big episode. It's episode number 63, which is, you know, large enough in itself, but it is our two-year anniversary special. No two woo- years, wow. I was expecting some woohooing, some excitement. Oh. No? <laughs> well, I thought you were going to do that, so oh, woohoo! two years yeah well listen it's pretty cool i'm excited about it and we do have a couple new things in the in the uh, pipeline here for the edtech weekly show and one of which is we have commissioned someone to make us some new podcast artwork um which is exciting because first of all i made the first one and you know i'm not a graphic designer and uh, also because now christy will be featured on the artwork which i think is very appropriate Wow. Well, thank you. Wait, I cannot wait to see what that looks like. Yeah, you better hold your hold your praise because I think when I was talking to uh, the designer, I said something about like you should have a sarcastic look on your face or something like that. So, <laughs> well, and considering that we have actually never met, I'm wondering what he will or the designer will make me look like my Bitmoji or what? Yes, this is the Bitmoji is pretty much her muse for both of us. So, so it will be very Bitmoji esque. But uh, nonetheless, okay. I'm excited. I don't. I didn't give her a timetable. She's a friend, um, so I'm I'm not in a rush with it. But relatively soon, we should have that. But first, even though it is our two year anniversary special, and we probably just don't want to do anything to celebrate, what we're going to do is, as we always do, start with the EdTech news of the week in the rundown. EdWeek.org brings us a story about a privacy watchdog that is raising alarms about EdTech spying. That's right. Now, this, this is the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and they have previously filed a complaint against Google to the FTC in 2015, so they are no stranger to this type of stuff. They released a report titled, Spying on Students, School-Issued Devices, and Student Privacy. Other than being an alarmist headline there, this report, and uh, it is most important to stress that it is a report here because... It is based on unscientific, excuse me, survey results. So we're not looking at a whole lot of scientific data, but there are some highlights of some themes here of concerns, I think, in general with ed tech and privacy. Uh, chief among them is the that 80% of parents surveyed said that they didn't receive clear disclosure about technology from their children's schools. Some other themes were inadequate privacy policies of ed tech companies, hurdles to opting out of this technology, and inadequate training about privacy-conscious technology use. This is certainly a major topic, and it needs to be addressed regardless of scientific validity of this particular survey. Uh, Most concerning to me was that over half of the web-based software applications that are being used in schools don't support adequate encryption. That's alarming. And student data isn't something to be messing around with. So I would check out this article and uh, start making privacy a bigger priority than you already are. No matter how big of a priority you're making it, Step that up if you can. All right, Ricky, point taken with this article. You know, often I just think, oh, Google knows everything. Anyways, you know, privacy, you know, what is privacy online? You know, it's everything's public um, and searchable anyways. Um, And how often do we click that little allow Google to allow to access all of our information. And we do that so frequently that I do, I think, take it for granted. So point taken with your article. Um, Yes, I do think it is important for schools to do uh, more to make parents more aware of what it is. Oftentimes we just embed it 
like in a first day handbook or in a list of online notifications. So I think we could all definitely improve with that. I think my main concern is not as much who has the information, but what they are doing with it. And we do have a lot of data out there that is helpful for student learning. So I don't really want to inhibit that, but we really should pay attention to how that is being shared outside the school setting. So I think that's the important piece for me with the data. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I struggle with it too, because I'm very like, oh, this is, I like people having my data because it helps things. But I think there is a larger issue, especially with students. And we all know that, but I think we've come to accept it so much. Like you're saying that we don't always go the extra mile to make sure everyone's aware of what it all means. So definitely something to check out. Yeah. Next up, uh, an e-school news article explains the EdTech challenges faced by immigrant students. The article and infographic found with it, within it focuses primarily on Hispanic immigrants. According to the article, only 35% of this population has broadband internet access and 20% of the parents don't go online at all. These numbers alone indicate that the Hispanic immigrant population faces a challenge that few demographics in this country face. Access and equity is a huge component of technology integration and something that is important for all of us in our school sites to think about, particularly with textbooks and anything that we assign outside of school that would require internet access. Yeah, I think this speaks to the larger picture of just accessibility in general. I think, you know, anytime we can glean some information about our student population um, and we can make things easier for that population to succeed, I think it's important. And that's what this is to me. Um, if you are in a area and you know that you are, I'm sure, that has a large immigrant population, um, it's something that you should be paying attention to. I thought there was a couple of really interesting interesting things about this data. I think the 20% part of parents that don't go on online at all is shocking to me. But also that they mention in there that this population seems to spend money in technology solely for their children and solely for education purposes. So even though they are spending money, and that's a priority more so than other demographics, they're falling short because of their internet access, their broadband access, and just their parents not being really good users. They, you know, 20% don't use the internet at all. That's a large number. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one in five people not using the internet, that seems, that seems really high. Yeah, and I think it's just a reminder that we have a diverse population in this country and in the world for that matter, but certainly it's something to, to think about about your student population when you are using technology you need to think, do they have broadband? What is the population in, you know, do they have access to this kind of stuff? And how can I support them and make this more accessible if not? Our next story, Ed Surge asks, if your EdTech product is a refrigerator or a washing machine? Hmm, that's a confusing question to ask about EdTech. Or is it? Uh, the question is born of something called an adoptive adoption curve, which has been brought up more now especially in recent months with EdTech and when it's coming to personalized learning and how quickly it's actually adopted in the traditional school environment. Well, the comparison to refrigerators and washing machines is actually pretty apt when you consider the reasons their adoption rates were different. Refrigerators quickly gain market saturation while washing machines have taken a lot longer. The reasoning there is that refrigerators were basically a plug-in and go scenario uh, with washing machines, though, you needed some different infrastructure. You needed electrical outlets, plumbing added as well. And so in the ed tech world, you know, simply this kind of means, does your product fit in the existing ecosystem and thus make it easy to adopt? Or does it take a lot of extra infrastructure to change um, in, or in order to gain that adoption? 
So while this is certainly important for ed tech companies to look at, I think it's also something, and I think ed tech administrators do keep this in mind, but it's something to think about how, you know, how many hurdles are there to actually get this thing to be adopted and actually used by your teachers as well. So I think you could take it to that level too. Yeah, I've never really thought about this concept before. So that was really interesting about the washing machine versus refrigerator. Um, so that was a good analogy. And, you know, you think about both products, a refrigerator and washing machine significantly can improve your lifestyle, right? I can't imagine not having either of those, but the refrigerator being much more just like the article said, plug and play. So I'm trying to think of what the equivalent would be in the ed tech world of the refrigerator. What do you think, Ricky? Any ideas? Yeah, I mean, for a refrigerator, I think you're just looking at something that works with any system. Like it works on Apple, it works on Microsoft, it works on any other device, uh, you know, ecosystems that you have and works with existing internet inf infrastructure. Don't need more bandwidth. Don't I mean, to me, that's the thing that is going to be available right away for everyone. That's not a problem. Where you start running into problems is, does it work well with your um, Active Directory or your, your, so for your kids logging in or your teachers logging in? Is that an issue? So do you have to change something for that? I think when you look at it from that perspective, it just gives you a different way of going, okay, judging maybe these ed tech products for what they are and how easily your school or teachers for that matter are going to be able to adopt to them. You know, if you have to change things, it's not going to be as easily adapted for sure. Yeah. All right. Our next article, an e-school news article talks about a common dilemma in the ed tech world, the emotional difficulty of innovating with ed tech. Teachers often find themselves in a position of being asked to change their practice using tools they themselves aren't comfortable with. It can be difficult to try new things, especially when teachers have to give up control while doing so. Rob Evans, an expert in this area, explains that the anxiety of trying new things in an environment where there is little tolerance for error is not that big of a surprise and, in fact, should be expected. He also explains that one of the things you can combat is that this is by supporting faculty and explaining why the changes are being made and being realistic about the challenges. Rob wrote a book titled Understanding the Human's side of school change, which may be something to check out if you're an administrator dealing with these types of changes. Yeah, I, I, there's a couple parts of this, I think. Number one, the overall theme here I agree with. You know, you can't just assume that there isn't any emotional attachment to the way people have been doing things or to the fear of it not working if they try something because they're not really sure how to use it. I definitely give that an important thing to think about as you add ed tech. The thing that kind of makes me go, eh, does it really, is when he when he mentions that you have to be realistic about the challenges and say, hey, this isn't going to be easy, something like that. Yeah, I think if your teachers are on board, that's going to be fine. But I don't think you're going to get those curmudgeon -y teachers who don't want to do this simply because you're being honest and realistic about the challenges. I think that's probably going to make them go, ha, I knew it. I knew this was going to be hard. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously with any human interaction and emotion, you have to sort of you know, focus in areas that you know are going to help spur or just be a good coach, I guess, in some ways, people to make those changes. Certainly not acting like it's super easy is probably helpful, but I'm not sure just doing that alone. And I think probably in general, that book is something to check out, um, especially if that's something, um, someone who's maybe on your level there, Christy, maybe something, you know, worth looking at at least. Yeah, well, I'll have to check that out. You know, I just want to focus on the why. Why are we doing this? You know, we're not doing it just to use another cool tech tool. You know, we're really trying to see a different student outcome or a change in the in the classroom environment. So I think focusing on that why is what I anchor back to. And then also supporting teachers where they are 
and in different ways. Not everyone learns the same way. Some people like to do it themselves. Some people like to have you show them. So I think meeting them where they are and focusing on the why can be helpful with that. Yeah, that's another great takeaway. Focusing on the why and is something that's super important. And they mentioned in that article, and it's probably a big part of his book too. Um, and, and I think in general, these are all good points and you just have to know your population and, and know ways to reach them. But I think these are, you know, larger sort of themes that are definitely important. And I, I will sort of expect that at some point, maybe we'd have you do a book report on that for us. Is that fair? <laughs> as long as I can do a book report my way. <laughs> yeah. No cliff. You can't read cliff notes. I don't think they make those for that book, but you, but you can't, if they do, you can't use them. I can, I can find a summary, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. All right. Well, that's the end of our rundown. And, you know, this is, you know, a big show for the EdTech Weekly group here. We're excited that we've been doing this for two years now, 63 episodes. Uh, super exciting. Although when you think about two years and 63 episodes, it's more like EdTech biweekly, but whatever. I think we're okay. Um if you want to interact with the show and become a part of the show, as our very own Christy has done, that's edtechweekly at gmail. Um, go ahead and uh, email us and let us know if you want to be a part of the show. Even if you just want to come on and talk about one, one specific topic or a book you've done or anything like that, we're more than willing to have people on and further the edtech discussion. Social media presence, while this week I do need to take some... Um, admonishment uh, about how I've been not been online in the last week and a half, but we are, I promise we're working on having a stronger social media presence and uh, there are things in place. I just have to step up to the plate and take care of business. Maybe I can do that, especially since it's the start of baseball season. Maybe it's the perfect time to step up to the plate. Yeah. Too cheesy. Sure. I'll serve it. I'll serve one up for you. Yes. Have I gone too far? (laughs) I love that you I love that you don't judge. You don't judge me for my social media. And it's certainly overall trending better. <laughs> don't look at the statistics for the last week and a half, but overall we're getting better. And it's EdTech Weekly show and we're trying to be everywhere. So look for us and uh engage. Talk to us. If that will force me to be involved, I won't have a choice then. Yes? No? Maybe yes. so. Okay, good. I just all I'm looking for is encouragement from time to time, Christy. That's all. Just to just you know, like my wife is probably good at just nodding your head and going, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great idea, Ricky. Sure, that's that's perfect." <laughs> all right. Okay, well, let's. That's what, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say that's what I'm that's what I'm doing, but that just doesn't come through on a podcast. <laughs> that's right. The head nod. We haven't perfected that for the podcast yet. So let's get into it here. This is our two-year anniversary show uh, extravaganza, maybe not so much, because those of you who have been listeners for a while know that last year, I produced the show quite a bit. I got some clips, some goofy Matt sayings, uh, some silly things that I clearly didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, this year, not so much production in this show. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that every other anniversary to make it special, but um, there are some of course, we've had some special guests on the show. Uh, who can forget uh, Matt as the original co-host? Uh, it's been hard to get Matt back on the show, but he does come from time to time. Christy, when you first listened to the show, was was Matt on the show, the first one you listened to? Yeah, he was on there weekly with on the show. So. Oh, yeah. Those, I mean, those, listen, I feel as though... The show is going to better places now with you as a guest host, but I do miss the Matt days. There was the quirky, just 
not really knowing what the heck he was going to say. I missed that. And I'd, I'd like that back on the show sometimes, if possible. Yeah, whatever we can do to get him back. So we, we mentioned your experience with the show. So I'm kind of, I've always been curious and I've never really asked you in person. So what better time to do it on, on, the, sh- on the show live while we're recording? Can you go into a little bit more detail about just the process of listening to the show, then making that leap to actually contact the show and, and what that was like? So I think I started listening to the show. I just found it on iTunes. I think I was searching EdTech Podcasts and found it and started listening to it. And, you know, when um, Matt was on the show with you, you guys were great. It was, you know, like you said, quirky. It was funny. It was informative. But honestly, Ricky, there were times when there was no Matt and it was just you. Oh, so and- so sorry. <laughs> And that was not nothing against you, but it's hard to do a podcast on your own. It is. It was so bad. It, I know it's bad. It, I know. <laughs> I mean, I know you were just plugging through, but it's like, oh my gosh, Ricky needs someone to talk to sometimes. So, you know, maybe I will just email the show and see if I could come on as a guest. And so that's what I did as I just emailed the show. Do you remember the voicemail stuff? I do. And I, you know, I, I think <laughs> at some point we, we need to revisit that. And it doesn't have to be on the uh, two year anniversary show, but maybe here in the near future, I can do a little production and get some of the audio clips and get some of the voicemails and, and get some of the, uh, and, and even yeah. now this, where you're making fun of me for my, you know, when I was doing it by myself, there's, there's been some harsh stuff coming from you recently. <laughs> Well, right in our like history, we, we have gotten to know each other now. So that's true. Can... For never meeting someone face to face, we do we do have a much better <laughs> idea of each other at this point, don't we? Um, yes. I agree one hundred percent. And it, and it was always one of those things for me with the show where I was like, I don't want to not do the show because it would be a few weeks in a row where he couldn't join, and I was like, I just don't want to stop because I was really afraid that I would just stop and not continue to the show. So yeah, and I and I think I clearly made references to how bad it was when I was on my own. So this is, it's not like I wasn't aware, but I appreciate you bringing it up just in case anyone missed it. No, (laughs) I don't think it was, I don't think it was bad. I mean, it was informative. I mean, the reason I listened to the show, no, it's tough. The reason I listened to the show is I got great ideas from the show. So, I mean, it still got the ideas, but, um, just missed the humor, but (laughs) wow. Shots (laughs) fired. (laughs) Just, I just told no you humor. I was tired going into this episode. And you know, and I will just take it, I'll take that with a grain of salt because it's hard to do a one-man stand-up bit. It's not like I'm just trying to entertain. And it's just, you don't get the the give and take that's nice when you have somebody else. Yeah. Believe me, I, I take no offense. I, you are 1,000% correct on all fronts in terms of that. Um, well, I, no, no, no. Then, wait, then I have to finish. Goes, okay. So then you were nice enough to take me on the show and have me on. And it was just, I just loved like, oh my gosh, there's someone else I can talk to about ed tech who likes it as much as I do and wants to learn more. So, I mean, that's what keeps me coming back. You know, I would love to see li- more listeners or, but it doesn't really matter to me. It's just like, oh, someone's willing to talk ed tech with me once a week. So I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and obviously we're super happy that you did because, um, I, I don't think, quite honestly, I don't think this show would still be going on uh, because Meredith, um, who also we should mention, who has been a co-host on the show as well, um, she also was having issues with being on the show. Matt was having issues with being on the show. And I think it would have only been a matter of time before I would have just given it up on my own. So we do owe you some credit for keeping the show going. Um, and yeah, you will Meredith- be handsomely rewarded financially whenever we oh. start making money. <laughs> 
one of these days. Would Meredith ever come back? I, I have think, never been on a show with Meredith. I hope she will. I think she will. I know that she's really busy and that she has a, a second child. And I know that, you know, it's just stressful timing and everything. I think maybe when he gets uh, a little bit better going to bed, um, you know, and those types of things, because he's he's just he's not two yet. So, you know, he's I think he's just about a year and a half. So, uh, you know, I think I think as he gets older that there will be some opportunities for her to come back. And I hope so. I really do. Um, cause she's fun too. And she's super sassy with me. And I think probably people love that because, you know, Hey, why isn't, it's always fun when somebody's sassy to me. I mean, I, I get it. It's part of, it's part of my charm is the way that I take people being sassy. <laughs> Well, let's let's move on before I start talking about my charm too much to a, a couple of episodes that I think really sort of made me go, hey, this show might actually be something that stick, sticks around. Um, the first one, which was episode 17, uh, and that is where, actually, sorry, episode 18, uh, where Carla came on, who is my boss, and talked about accessibility, and she was our first real sort of guest in that way. And um, it was pretty awesome to have someone who knew what they were talking about give really good information. And it was kind of like, okay, I can see us doing this. Like, I, I think that this may be a way to go. And so that was really awesome. Did you happen to hear that episode? Was that one that you heard as we started out? I did. And when you just started talking about, you know, a specific show, that is actually the one that I thought of, the accessibility one. And I think that was, I think, a turning point in the show. It was like, oh, wow, this is legit. They get people on there, like great information and so i think that really solidified you as a solid podcaster listen to this i know i love how you've you've changed now there's a lot of love coming now in the beginning <laughs> not so much and now a lot of love so i appreciate Worried it. you're gonna let me go <laughs> Pick me <laughs> How can I? I'm putting you on the podcast art. It's not like I can just go, hey, that's that podcast art. That's really great. Remember, she used to be on the show. <laughs> just do digital whiteout. <laughs> I'm sure I could put something over it in Photoshop. That could be actually a fun side thing to try to do. Um, but yeah, so that was a good one. We had Meredith on the show. Uh, she was one of our first callers. Um, we've had We've had a few callers that have been friends, but you were the first who really reached out, who was somebody that we didn't know. And so that was really cool. Like we had a couple other little emails, but really you were the only one or comments on the website, but you were the first really like, Hey, well, this is cool. Let's do this thing. And so I'm really thankful for you and glad that you did because you're here with us now on the second anniversary. And uh, from the way I see it, uh, I believe you'll be here with us again a year from now and celebrating our third. Did you think it was a little stalker-like? You know, were you worried at all? You know, it's funny because I not not really stalker-like. No, so I think if you want to listen to the talk with the show or you know get get on the show, I, I don't think you should be worried about people judging you for that. Um, you know, email the show and I, I, we'll give just about anybody a chance um, because of because of you and the great experience. I am never gun shy about having someone on the show now. Uh, which is awesome. But the only thing that I was kind of thinking, uh, concerned was, what if she's terrible and it's really bad and I don't know how to react and then she wants to be on the show again and she's, you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of things that I think at the first time it happens, I was kind of concerned with. Um, but, you know, it's really just come on the show, talk about something. And, you know, we've offered everyone who's been on the show, I've legitimately said, hey, come on again if you'd like. 
Um, you know, you know, we have a co-host now, but I certainly wouldn't mind having someone else that could be more, you know, a, a more regular part of the show as well. You know, I don't think that there's any reason why it only needs to be the two of us. I like the two of us as the main two and we can add more. So again, I say that just because if you're upset um, or worried about something like that, then don't worry about that. There's no judgment. Um, you know, email, be a part of the show, even just email to say, Hey, we're listening to the show. Thanks for doing it. It's awesome. Cause it, it definitely picks me up. And I've really found, although I feel like we're really getting too long on this episode, but I, I think it was, it's been a really important thing for me. Um, the, it almost feels like as I'm starting to wonder if this is, something I should continue to do, there's somebody will comment on the website or somebody will make a mention on Twitter or somebody will email. And it, you know, every so often, every few weeks, every two months when I would kind of be in that stage going, hmm, I'm not really sure this is even going to be something that we'd continue to do. Someone has, you know, reached out. And so, you know, Christy, you've been a part of that, which is awesome and others as well. So, and I'm looking right now at episode 45, which I believe is your first episode. Um, was it? 45? Wow. Okay. Let's do something special for my 20th episode. Well, let's do that. So 65, we'll do a little special thing. But yeah, so I'm looking at episodes 45, Christy Talks Coding. Um, in this episode, Christy joins Matt and Ricky to talk about the EdTech news and discuss the importance of coding. So that that was your first little hurrah on the show. So that's awesome. And again, only two more episodes till your 20th. So you, again, if that's not deserving of... Uh, a spot on the cover art for the podcast. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm certain. I'm just glad I didn't put Matt on there. That'd be embarrassing. I had to change it, and yeah, I mean, he's not even doing anything on the show anymore. Come on. We we could just give him blonde hair and be close enough. There you go. We can. I think we should probably really horribly Photoshop him in when he's on the show. Just change it for that particular show, and just me do a really bad job putting him in because that'd be fun too. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I guess to wrap this up in a bow, I would just overall like to say that I appreciate anyone who's listened. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to just talk ed tech and uh, just kind of talk about things that are happening. It's helped me uh, probably more than anything else just because I've been able to do something on a consistent basis and make it a priority uh, when it comes to ed tech. So I've learned a lot. Um, I'm certainly more comfortable on podcasting and doing a podcast. I don't know that I'm any better, but I'm certainly more comfortable. And um, it's been a really fun journey. And I'm glad that two years is not the end and that we're going to keep it going. Yeah. Thanks for starting it, the podcast. And yeah, keeping it going. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, Christy, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for, to all the listeners for the last two years. Uh, believe it or not, even if you've only listened to a couple of shows and commented once, uh, it's made a big difference for me knowing that, you know, people actually do hear this show. So it's pretty awesome. And um, we will be back next week. Hopefully we're trying to do it every week. I know we missed a couple weeks here, but we will see you next time. Hopefully next week on EdTech Weekly.